This is an RNZ podcast. Any headlines, please? Yes, good evening. Greens co-leader James Shaw is fighting for his political life. He's been forced to re-nominate himself for the job after failing to reach the 75% member support needed to automatically retain the role. That was News Talk ZB News last Monday night on the fallout from James Shaw getting insufficient support for what had become almost an annual rollover of his co-leadership since he first took the job seven years ago. But how did that happen this time round? Well, on One News, TVNZ's deputy political editor Mikey Sherman explained it like this. This week there were members of the Young Greens that uh, were mobilising to force this reopening uh, of nominations today against James Shaw. And today we spoke to one delegate who did have voting powers. They said that today was a sign of growing member dissatisfaction with James Shaw, adding that this vote is a call for other candidates to stand up. Well, as we now know, none have so far, and serious candidates from among the ranks of the party's MPs rapidly all ruled themselves out. But when some among the media's political scalp hunters sniffed conflict earlier this week, a bit like school kids sensing an imminent scrap in the schoolyard back in the day, they noisily urged it to happen. TVNZ1 News, for example, amped up the aggro like this on Monday. To the Green Party bust up now and James Shaw is in and Chloe Swarbrick's out. Two big developments in the Greens leadership uprising today, triggered after a third of the party said they don't back James Shaw. Well, a third of the party's 107 national delegates, to be precise, and whether those actually did represent the party as a whole was really at the heart of this, though those members weren't at the heart of much of the reporting and the commentary, as we'll hear. So in the end, it wasn't much of a fight for survival, with no challenger yet for James Shaw, but the slump in AGM support for him, or the uprising, as TVNZ described it, did signal some dissatisfaction within Green ranks. And judging by this last weekend, James Shaw himself wasn't expecting it. This is obviously a bit of a surprise. Um, and, and uh, you know, it's, I've got to work a few, a, few, a few things. Awkward. And James Shaw saying that then triggered several pundits to say he should have seen it coming because they reckoned they had. The day before the vote, the Herald's Thomas Coughlin said that reports of Green's infighting had been exaggerated. But the headline on his piece, claiming the vote could decide the next government, was still pretty bold. On the spin-off, Toby Manhire said they need to do better at keeping their ears to the ground, pointing out that two weeks earlier, Victoria University's student magazine Salient had run a story that began, James Shaw's days as Green Party co-leader may be numbered. Now, this story was based on a post in a Young Greens Facebook group that's only accessible to party members, and that indicated a vote of no confidence might be coming. And also saying, told you so, on Monday, was News Talk ZB's Wellington morning host, Nick Mills. Anyone that follows any form of politics would know James Shaw's tenure was at very best was under scrutiny. When the party changed its rules to allow two female co-leaders as long as one was Māori, Enter stage right, Chloe Swarbrick, the high-profile, young, left-wing, articulate politician. She has the youth vote. And you'd have to be living under a rock in New Zealand if you haven't seen this coming. And also telling James Shaw told you so more than once later on that same day was Heather Duplessy Allen on News Talk ZB, first with ZB's political editor Barry Soper. How on earth can he say he was surprised at what <laughs> happened at the weekend? We all knew that this was going to happen months ago. I mean, we didn't yeah, know we it was going to happen this weekend. No, but we but knew it, it was going to happen. It's no surprise to me this afternoon. And earlier on, Heather Duplessy Allen said much the same on her own. 
you know, I'm actually really surprised that James Shaw is himself surprised at what happened to him this weekend. I mean, I thought it was obvious that critics were coming for his job, and this has been signalled for ages, I thought. There have been rumours, and we've talked about this on the show. But what kind of rumours were these exactly? There have been blogs and there have been columns. And, I mean, I can point to some of them for you right now. For example, you might have read Matthew Houghton's column for The Herald. He wrote that back in, in, in April, warning that the stage was being set for Chloe Swarbrick to replace James Shaw. Well, indeed he did. And in that, Matthew Houghton even suggested James Shaw's next job. If not headhunted by an international agency, he's a shoo-in to replace Rod Carr as chair of the Climate Change Commission if Chris Luxon becomes Prime Minister. Couple of big ifs there. But this week, Nick Mills on ZB also tried to headhunt James Shaw. James Shaw is the past. I've got a great position for James Shaw if he does get voted out. I think he'd make a great mayor of Wellington. And while he was at it, Nick Mills threw his own weight behind Chloe Swarbrick. Meanwhile, National Party pollster David Farrer published some old polling data to show how popular Swarbrick was with the public. So that's quite a chorus of right-leaning commentators using their platforms in the media to theorise the downfall of a leader of a government-aligned party that's currently enjoying historically high levels of support and who's also the current Minister for Climate Change. The media also rang round a few former Green MPs, like Catherine Dalhunty and Sue Bradford, who told RNZ many people believed the Green Party had lost its way under James Shaw's leadership. And on News Talk ZB, Mike Hosking gave another former MP, Gareth Hughes, a call. Yeah, good morning, mate. Are you a Shaw man? Well, I'm not uh, a member of the Green Party anymore, so I don't have a, um, a stake in this fight. But um, as a former member, and I've just written a book about the history of the party, you know, it's really interesting how this is playing out. And were you a sure man? But Gareth Hughes told Mike Hosking he was really asking the wrong guy. What's driving this? Is this a small clique of radicals or is this the wider view of the party, do you reckon? Well, again, I'm, I'm not a member. And soon after, Gareth Hughes had to make that point again. You'd have to ask members of the party and delegates why they voted that way. And there's no shortage of them to talk to, Gareth Hughes assured Mike Hosking dozens of meetings of uh, branches in the electorates across the country that decided on the position of the membership. The delegates would have gone to the conference and voted. So it does seem like it's probably more than just an individual faction. Though Mike Hosking already reckoned he knew exactly what was going on there. They're a sort of a movement. They're a grouping. They like to hold hands, sing kumbaya and all's well with the world in their Roman sandals. That's about basically all they ever wanted to achieve. Parliamentary politics is the most intensely scrutinised subject in our news these days, but political party members are persistently ignored. Even at the events supposed to be all about them, the annual party conferences, you might get the odd vox pop or two from a rank-and-file member in some of the news reports, but mainly they're just used as a backdrop to stories that zero in on what the party leaders have to say in their set-piece speeches. Now, for the Green Party's leadership, it's only the rank-and-file delegates who can settle that James Shaw issue, but only a few reporters this past week seem willing to sound them out. As we heard earlier, TVNZ's Mikey Sherman spoke to one delegate on the day of the vote and also to others on camera last Monday. Travis Mischewski was among delegates who voted to oust James Shaw. He represents around 170 members as part of his local branch. James should be moving further and faster in regards to climate change. One News has spoken to other Green Party members, one saying they let their membership lapse under James Shaw, but today rejoined the party at the prospect of new leadership. Another member who stood for the Greens at the last election says the party has no shortage of leaders and a contest is a good thing. 
Under the headline, Green Party Fights Over Plot to Oust James Shaw, the Herald's Thomas Coughlin outlined the aims of two significant subgroups, the Young Greens and the Green Left Network, while Andrea Vance in the Sunday Star-Times last weekend said that by and large the Greens' members are quieter, dutiful stalwarts. And she said the dissatisfied amongst them would amount to roughly 15% of the party, and that, she reckoned, was about the same proportion as mutinous factions have in other Green parties around the world. But with no sign of any mutiny by Wednesday, right-leaning NBR columnist Bridget Morton wrote this. Those agitating for change appear to have failed in securing another candidate. Without it, this episode is likely to fade into Green's history. Or until the 2023 AGM, when this week's headlines about revolt, green blood, seething resentments and long knives in the back could be reprised. On scoop.co.nz this week, Gordon Campbell, a former Green staffer for a bit in the decade before last offered this thought. It is completely understandable why a minority within a party that sees itself as a radical vanguard would want to be pushing things along at a faster pace, especially given the urgency of the climate crisis. In an ideal world, this would be a healthy debate. And also in an ideal world, we'd have a media more tapped into the membership of significant mass movements, like political parties, and a little less tapped into the sources of power at Parliament and professional pundits.